0: Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Trinity Podcast, where we interview top holistic experts and bring you natural solutions for modern day wellness. Let's get started with your host, Dr. Jacqueline.
1: Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining the Wellness Training Podcast. I'm Dr. Jacqueline from thewellnesstraining.com, where we provide natural solutions for modern day wellness. Today, we're going to discuss natural tips and tools for postpartum recovery with Nicole Moore. Just a little disclaimer before we get started. What we discuss in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. What you do with the information is to be used at your discretion as the recommendations are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode was brought to you by Cellcore Biosciences. Creating solutions that work is what they do, and restoring hope and health is who they are. Are you having a hard time conceiving? Are you concerned about raising healthy children? Would you like to age gracefully? These are all concerns that many women have. And in order to have healthy pregnancies and children and age gracefully with youthful skin, vibrant wellness, and incredible joints, we need to thoroughly cleanse the body in this day and age because there are more than 85,000 chemicals that are just plaguing the earth. And these chemicals cause a whole slew of problems. And a lot of it is related to the backup in the liver that causes diminished hormone production. CellCore Biosciences Protocol systematically removes layers of infections and toxins, thus fully cleansing the body. It gets you back to homeostasis where your body is happiest and healthiest when done correctly. I am happy to be on this protocol and I'm actually waiting to get pregnant because I want myself and my husband to be thoroughly cleansed before I even think of having a baby. And I don't fear growing old and falling apart because I know that if my body is at homeostasis, it's going to be just fine. I was told I look 10 years younger in my new headshot, so this stuff works. To learn more about the Cell Core protocol, go to thewellnesstrinity.com slash detox. So I met Nicole Moore when I was going to encounter church in Las Vegas, and she was so sweet to come up to me after they were, they were doing some type of event and I went up and I shared a little bit of my testimony, what I do. And she was excited to meet someone on the same path with her with health and wellness and um, in our spiritual walk as well. And so she came up, introduced herself and we became friends and then we ended up doing a couple of workshops together on pregnancy. And that's when I really started kind of digging deep on pregnancy and and my conclusion really was, you got to be healthy from conception. If the mm-hmm. parents are not healthy, then the the kids are just not going to be the healthiest either. And then on top of that, they, they can't get pregnant, they have uh, miscarriages, they have postpartum depression. I mean, there's so many things that go around this that it all starts from even before they're even pregnant. And a lot of this is just not talked about where you have to get healthy before you even get pregnant. I'm happy to be back with her today and talk more about this subject. And we're going to focus on postpartum today. I have other people on this women's health series that are going to talk about different aspects of women's health and then and before the pregnancy, after the pregnancy and just women's health in general, menopause. So you, we have all kinds of good stuff um, that are going to be coming soon with this podcast. Nicole Moore is a certified health coach. She received her certification through INN, which is the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She helps clients work on attaining their holistic health goals. She is focused on providing support specifically for those interested in making changes in their lifestyle as well as the home lifestyle, including major shift changes to support a healthy immune system through the physical, spiritual, emotional, and relational aspects of the whole person. Nicole is also a wife and mom of three spunky children, five and under. Paul is five, Eliana is three, and Natalia is two. Two of her three children were home birthed, and one has experienced the whole WFPB diet from conception, and I'm sure she's going to have to explain that one for all of us. All three of her children were breastfed. Besides coaching, she spends her time taking care of her children, researching about whole food, plant-based eating, and cooking. She also spends time daily exercising for physical health and mental clarity. Email Nicole for her delicious iron building recipes for pregnancy and postpartum recovery. That's her free gift to you guys. And for anyone that watches the show and mentions the the show, they also will get a discount of uh, an extra 10% off. If you're a couple, you'll get 20% off. And she'll explain those details and more when you reach out to her. All right, Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, you have three children, and uh, that's a lot more than me at this point. <laughs> so, I, uh, for those of you guys that are listening, I don't have any children yet, but maybe I'm doing this series to prepare myself. I know my mom will be happy hearing that. <laughs> she's she's uh, waiting to be a grandmother for the last, I don't know, decade. <laughs> Anyways, so, can you share, um, you had home birth. Uh, home births, and that's not really the norm. Um, it seems a lot more normal in Las Vegas than other places I've lived. But right. can you tell us about that. Like, why did you even decide to do that?
0: Sure, no problem. So, along my health journey, I'll shorten this up. But I'd had some health issues. I was, I was pretty overweight and headed down a bad path of not probably being diabetic, just like my father. And that's kind of my testimony for doing health um, health coaching, because that's how I got there. As I was going through the process with my husband and I, we had been married about a year. And we chose to want to continue that natural process. So we chose to do as much as we could naturally with our son, Paul. But we weren't ready. We wanted to do a home birth because we knew that it would be more calm. And we believed that after watching some documentaries, I'm sure many of you heard um, uh, the business of being born, um, all different documents like that. I learned more about the body and learned about the birthing process. So I, with my son, we did a hospital birth that was... um, induced so there was intervention that led to him being um, suctioned out which was not my goal at all and I ended up getting epidural which was not my goal at all but um, that being said with the other two births it didn't get that way because I made that decision ahead of time that we're just going to do it at home and find a midwife that we felt comfortable with that was very knowledgeable Um, so we did the hospital birth learned And we weren't going to do it again. It wasn't the worst experience, but it wasn't comfortable for me. I wanted to be in my house to be able to walk around, to be able to eat when I felt that I needed that energy or to drink. So um, after that hospital experience, we went home and we decided the next one is going to be a home birth. We didn't, little did we know that my daughter, 16 months later, that that we were going to get pregnant that soon, Um, but that birth actually was quite interesting. Um, if any of you have thought of home births, there can be this fear that, oh, what if this happens? What's going on? So we drilled our midwife with every question possible. What do we do if, if something's not right? And she's able to check the, the, the baby's heartbeat, check the baby's movement, if they're placed right, if they look like they're going to deliver correctly. So she answered very clearly. It was actually um, Tiffany Gonzalez, and maybe we can tag her on this. Um, she did a great job of birthing both of my girls. But um, actually, our first daughter, Eliana. Um, we had just started getting to essential oils, which are very powerful and very useful. With that being said, they're very powerful and they could cause the birthing process to go a little faster than you think. So with my daughter, Eliana, um, we were at home and I, I thought to myself, honey, we're going to have this baby today. I could feel it at noon. I was like, I know we already, my water, not my water, my um, my plug already broke. And my mean, you will learn about this. This is the area, the thing that plugs you up so you don't lose your water. Um, and that already started coming out. And I said, I think this baby's coming soon. So as the contractions kind of changed a little, I didn't want to slow down my contractions. So I decided to take it into my own hands a little. And I started diffusing some essential oils. Clary sage is very strong and useful for keeping the contractions going. I would never encourage someone to do that before the the process started. Um, But the contractions kept going. And uh, my midwife said, well, I I think this is going to take, normally, it would have taken quite a while and you're probably going to be up for a while. So checked in with me at about 4 p.m. And at about 6 p.m. Checked in with me again and things were going pretty steady, but um, still not progressing as much as she expected. Then um, because I was still diffusing, um, I finally turned it off because it was getting to the point where I was diffusing and the contractions were getting closer and closer. So I did what she expressed, go and take a hot shower or bath or warm shower bath. And I got three contractions within five minutes and thought, oh, something's changing here. Went from there to, um, as I was drying off to get out of the shower, another one came on and then went into my bedroom and my water broke on the bed. <laughs> Don't worry, you plan to have um, things to protect your mattress and your whole room. And I, know, I knew at that point, as I was doing my pelvic rocks, it's a way that you rock your pelvis and your hips to keep things loose, that it was, she was coming. So um, we called my midwife and explained to her that's going on. She goes, oh my, okay, I'll be heading there. That was not expected at all. And um, my little Eliana, if you get to know her personality, is very much the person that goes uh, on her own speed when she wants to come. So she kept moving along and she actually crowned as we were on the phone and my midwife was about 15 minutes away. <laughs> and so um, my husband, he he reached his hand out. Um, I don't know. In the moment, you don't always think clear. I tease him all the time. Did, why didn't you put the phone on speaker? But um, he, he reached out and, and caught her to break the fall. She didn't, he didn't fully catch her with one hand, you know, other hand on the phone. And she made it in just fine. All And, and this is something I share all the time. All the other towels um, that were sanitized, you know, we're concerned. We want this to be the most sanitary birth. We're all being used and ready in their placement. And the only towel we had left, um, because we couldn't even get in the water tub, things went so quickly, was my son's once used bath towel. <laughs> so she landed on that. Um, but she came out just fine and, and, um, we sat there, he held me up, sat behind me and we held her until the midwife came and she gurgled. Um, for some reason I had no fear. I wasn't nervous about the gurgling and what was going on. Um, but she, she was fine. It's a natural process of getting the junk out. Um, some midwives choose to use the section just like the doctors do to clear the airway and clear the spit up. Other midwives may not use it as much and let the baby do as much as they can on their own. So that was my first experience. We pretty much birthed our baby a little bit on our own. And then Tiffany came in and she did a great job of cleaning the baby up, checking the heart rate, checking the responses. Um, She actually, they, they do something at the very beginning where they hold the baby up and they do this natural response. I don't know the term of it, but they will actually take steps as you're holding them. So they'll put their legs out like they're kind of walking, but they're not putting the weight on their legs all the way. And so she's doing everything she's supposed to do. So that was our first experience. The baby was born at like 820 in the evening. Though we could have gone to bed that night, we couldn't go to bed till like 3 in the morning. We were so hyped about, <laughs> we just birthed our baby. <laughs> um, so that was my first experience with Natal- with Eliana, sorry, and um, went great. She nursed just fine. Um, she, and the beautiful part about nursing, if you choose to do this, I really encourage it. Um, there's a lot of studies out there that explain how it will build up your daughter your daughter's son, your child's immune system, but also help you to lose the weight and help the contractions to make your uterus smaller to what the original size was. Um, but there's that bonding, and that first um, col- colostrum is the first stuff that comes out of the milk, and it's clear you wouldn't think it's very potent, but it's super important. It has a lot of nutrients, vitamins, and, and helps the child to not only bond with you, but also become stronger and healthy as they get into the what they call the fourth trimester, which doesn't make sense, because it's a trimester, but fourth trimester is this process and this term of they're still babies. They still feel like they want to be in the womb. So she did great. We went through that process and then come along two years later, um, we got pregnant with Natalia and she is um, gonna be two this July, or yeah, this July. So I put two on there, but she'll be two on July 4th. That was her due date. And you'll learn something interesting about your body. Um, Everybody's body's a little different, but with my children, my son Paul was induced because he was two weeks late. Um, When you work with a doctor in a hospital, they have a timeline they have to go on and they have to make sure that the baby comes within that because of liability concerns about being sued or stillbirth, um, which is understandable. But um, not every baby seems to take either that much time—40 weeks—and some take a little longer. So my son Paul could have probably gone to 42 weeks, but he was induced at 41. And Eliana was a home birth, and she actually came at 42 weeks. So I thought surely my daughter Natalia is going to come late, but we'll see. Maybe she'll come. She came on her due date, which is July 4th, and a very punctual. 12.05 a.m. delivery. Hers was actually in the water tub, which I, I definitely encourage you if you're considering it. It is such a beautiful delivery experience because one, you don't feel something that's called the ring of fire, which is um, when they're crowning and they're going um, exiting your body. There is a pain that, that, that explains it the best ring of fire. Um, you don't feel it in the water. You also don't tear much at all. I actually didn't tear at all with uh, Natalia. With Eliana, I did because it was so sudden and I wasn't in the water. I wish I got in the water. But afterwards, we ended up with Ellie getting back in the water and just keeping her calm. But the other part of that is, um, if you think about pregnancy and being a baby, try and imagine being a baby for a minute. You're in this warm, cozy, comfortable place for nine months. And then suddenly, you're welcomed into the world and you don't know. It's very shocking. It's very traumatic. For the mama, it's almost like you're in a car accident because you're, you know, parts of your body are, are, an organ literally comes out, the placenta. So many, many traumatic things are happening. For the baby, it's going from being in a quiet, calm, dark place to a bright, loud, um, sensory overload experience, right? So that's why I really enjoyed the experience of the water birth for the baby because I know she was calmer. She was my calmest of the three. And when she um, started to become a little more alert, it happens much quicker, I noticed, with the babies that were born at home because they didn't have medication in their body and they came on their, their own schedule. Um, but she was just a peaceful baby. Now, whether or not that's her personality, I think a lot of it plays, um, the role play, is played through the delivery and that experience. Because if your first yeah. experience in life is a peaceful one, I can imagine that helps set the stage for the um, rest of your experience. So yeah. sorry, that's a long, long story, but three births
1: and now we're yeah, here today. good context for this all too, because um, you know, obviously you know the difference between what it is to have a hospital birth and then you know the difference between having the second and the third one at home, but even the different intricacies of, of how you have them at home obviously play a different role. And you know when I was at Hippocrates Health Institute, this is when I realized or when I first started learning about how the first connection that a child has with their parent, with their mom is very important. If you just mm-hmm. take them out and then you put them in an incubator somewhere else and they're they're scared, they can actually harbor that fear later times in their life, whether they realize it or not. And then they're carrying this thing that they don't even know they're carrying. And so, uh, you know, I'm very sensitive and alert to some of those things that, you know, as I'm planning to have children and and I know people on this podcast plan to have children, you know, I I hope that you guys are are thinking about little things like that too, because how we love and we nurture our children really do make a difference starting Mm -hmm from the time they're conceived to the time they're, they're born and in your hands. And then as you raise them up, it's not mm-hmm. just five years down the road. It's, you know, that first time they come out to the first, in the first five years, I mean, that really sets the stage for so much right. of their, their personality and who they are. And I've met your children, your young one. Um, I, I haven't gotten to know her too much, but in the time that I was there in Las Vegas still, I mean, she is, she is a very, very peaceful daughter. I don't even think I've ever heard her cry uh, I've seen you at church with her and, you know, it's, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm amazed, you know, and I know it's, a lot of this has to do with, because of how you birth her and how you yeah. nurture your children as well.
0: Well, and, and of course it's interesting when you, you get the dynamics of more kids together, things do change. She has learned how to scream pretty loud now because she has two others that are teaching her. We're working on that. But yes, I definitely want to echo what you're saying about the birth story there's birth trauma. And a lot of um, discussion about birth trauma and how even just, um, and I've seen it with my son, the suctioning of his head out of the birth canal, he still is very like, don't touch my head. And he still gets very upset if, if someone keeps touching his head. He's very sensitive to that area of his body. Not that, you know, you see a little kid and you pat him on their head and he's like, no, please don't do it. No, and sometimes if he's in a bad mood, he may not respond so gently. But um, yes, the birth experience is, is beautiful and can be traumatic or it can be peaceful. And it can be peaceful. I think a lot of people think birth is going to be scary and it's going to be so painful. Well, yeah, it's going to be painful, um, but there's ways to make it less painful. There's ways to make it um, a beautiful dance and a beautiful, um, less painful experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Cause honestly, I'm a little bit nervous to, to say, to be honest, <laughs> but you know, it's just what women do, right? If you're going to have children, you're, it's, you just have to go through it. Right. But anyways, um, on that note though, how do you prepare for an easy birth recovery uh, or even br- easy birthing process um, so that the recovery is better?
0: So it doesn't start right at that point. Obviously, once you're um, once we talked about the beginning of being uh, healthy and clean from toxins when you conceive and that whole process, once you conceive, it's important. And, and, um, a lot of people worry, oh, I, can I exercise? It's important to stay active because you're keeping your body, ex- um, you're doing, think of it this way, you're doing a marathon, you train up to do a marathon. So you don't just run the marathon at the very end. You train up and you do. So while I'm at, while I, before I got pregnant, I was doing a little exercise of walking. I tried to do 30 minutes a day. I'll be honest with you. There's times. When you've got, especially with two kids, you may not get to it. But I did my best to walk and exercise and use videos. There's a lot of resources out there, but exercise is important. Resources as far as um, people that will post videos on YouTube that have done births themselves. Um, I'm going to just mention a few um, exercises. There's something called pelvic rocking, like I mentioned, where you basically would get on all fours and rock your pelvis back and forth to keep that area loose. And when you're pregnant, your lower back will start hurting because there's something happening in your spine, and it's curving the way it's not supposed to. That much, it's supposed to be more of an S, not a, not a saggy, heavy S or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, the pelvic rocking. Um, another thing that is recommended during um, pregnancy is Kegels, and that's when you try not to go pee, but you want to go, you hold it, hold it in, you hold your urine. It. Um, it's just practicing that. Um, the other thing is posture practice. And that's something um, more so when you're pregnant. Um, I did a Bradley method class with my son when I was pregnant with him. It's talking about your posture when you're sitting. Um, one of the moves is to cross your legs just um, crisscross style and sitting up against a wall and just trying to have the best posture you can because you want to fix as much as you can what's going on down in your spine. Um, so that's a little actually just to give your body a little bit of a break. Um, and then the other idea is that the posture practice and the support of how, when you do have the child, how you breastfeed. um, If you start with the practice of doing it with pillows underneath and, and I'll mention Le Leche later in the details, but they'll show you how to put the baby at the right angle so that you can not start having shoulder posture issues, not having more pain. Um, So that, that are the, those are the three things I mentioned with the exercise. There's more to it. If you, Walk daily, very important. Whatever you did before you got pregnant, most doctors and midwives will say just keep doing that. Um, my friend who had her baby, I think she had a hospital birth, but she was a weightlifter and still is a weightlifter. And so she's lifting 50 pounds before she got pregnant. She can still lift the 50 pounds when she's pregnant mm. um, or more, but within, within reason. I, I've never done weightlifting per se. I've lifted, you know, 20 pounds and done the arm weight, which is still really good to do while you're pregnant because you're going to have to hold that baby. <laughs> um, but the important thing mean exercise is part of it, because you're training up till that final marathon of having the child come out and you have the energy and you have stamina and you, you'll have the muscle control. And um, yeah, exercise is very important.
1: Yeah. And you said, so the key is that you don't want to just, you want, you don't want to start something extreme. You just, you yeah. you continue where you were at. So if you weren't a marathon runner, you're not going to really run marathons. Although that doesn't sound the most healthy for a pregnant woman to run a marathon. Maybe there is, no. maybe, maybe there is a too much, huh? I
0: know. I know an actual woman um, that shared her story and you can look it up if you'd like, who actually birthed their baby after they ran a marathon but they didn't necessarily run, I think they probably went a little slower, but yes, it probably wouldn't be a great idea, but like walking, probably not jolting because you don't want to jog and make things start too early. Um, even yoga, if that's something you hadn't done before and you want to do it when you become pregnant, that is usually something you can start trying because you're not doing any extreme movement. That's more about, um, a fluidity of movement and keeping the joints, joints comfortable and the body balanced. So there are a lot of um, pregnancy and postpartum um, yoga that you can find online too. Mm. Okay. And
1: then you talk about hydration as, as something that's very important too you for, for um, the postpartum period, right?
0: Yes. So you're going to be losing a lot of water and fluids when you're having a baby. And um, typically if you're in a hospital setting, um, you don't get necessarily a lot of water intake through the mouth. So there's a lot of IV in um, uh, saline input in your body, but, at a home birth, you get to do whatever you like. I recommend, like I kept mentioning hydration, hydration, hydration is so important because we want to one, be able to be functioning. Our bodies are 70% water. And if we're losing that hydration through the, the birth, just to keep um, things like coconut water is a very good, um, it's high in potassium, which we need for muscle um, contractions, but it's also a great recovery drink. Like it's not Gatorade. That has all these strange sugars, or maybe not even sugars in there. It's got natural sweetness of the sugar that'll help boost up your energy. Um, Another thing that can be drank as well, besides water and um, coconut water, is um, maybe right after. A lot of times, our blood sugar will crash for obvious reasons. You lost a lot of blood and you worked out pretty hard. So having um, fresh squeezed orange juice would be ideal because then you get the great nutrients from a fresh squeezed orange. But a lot of times we can't always do that and. The husband is a huge role or the, the partner is a huge role in having this baby. But wherever they can help step in through the birth, um, whether they're comfortable being there to catch to catch the baby, and they won't catch the baby, the midwife would. But in my situation, that was Dan's situation. Dan helped. <laughs> um, is to make sure you have a, a setup. We're talking about hydration. Have someone that's going to be coming, checking your water, checking your, do you need more of this if you don't feel like moving that much? Because at a certain point, there is a process of the birth. Um, and I'm sure you'll have the other person speak about this, but there's a process of the early on, on part and then there's transition where you can't really talk and you're in so much pain that you're just pushing through that. And then once you get past that, the baby starts coming down on it n- and naturally. Um, but the hydration is part of that. If you think about it, if you've got a well-oiled and moved car and you want the parts to move correctly, you got to keep and make sure you check your oil often. Mm-hmm. So same thing with birth. If you're starting to get a little dehydrated, The baby might stick a little. I mean, not literally, but there may be a slowdown. And um, trying not to be too graphic, but this is this is birth. Um, (laughs) That's what it is. That's what it is. And if you're not hydrated enough, you may start to get a headache. You may start to not um, not be able to think clearly. Which a lot of times, birthing isn't about thinking the clearest. It's about um, doing what you naturally do. We were made this way. That's how God has made our bodies to know what to do next. And um, hydration helps us think clearly and just be more calm because we're not under a situation of de- this de- dehydrated being dehydrated so yeah
1: yeah, well if you think about it, so we need water to absorb our B vitamins and our C vitamins and those very much okay. support our adrenal glands. So if we're dehydrated, we're not going to be able to absorb all our nutrients as well and those are you know speaking about anxiety, if your adrenal glands aren't supported in that way then you're mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to be more anxious. <laughs> so yeah. that makes sense. That makes a lot of okay. sense and I love the graphics. So uh, let's just tear the. Let's just tear it all apart, and let's just tell the truth. So I want to hear. Right. I want to know. I really want to know because, uh, we'll see. Maybe in the next few years, uh, we'll we'll plan on having some children. But I'd like to prepare myself, and and maybe right. some people listening are in the same place too. So, I'd rather just know the truth and be set up mm-hmm. for success versus be blindsided and all of a sudden I'm dehydrated right. and <laughs> giving birth right. and things are getting stuck. That does not sound nice.
0: Right. And and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Dr. Jacqueline. When we're talking about hydration, I've always learned that um, the basic thing is half your weight in ounces is good for keeping yourself hydrated. Now, when you're pregnant, I would I would up that. Um, you can never overhydrate, really. I mean, your body gets rid of it naturally, but um, I would do that and then plan for whatever the volume is. And I should have this memorized of the fluid that's in your um, in, in, the, in with the baby and the uterus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes but, sense
1: because the baby needs water too. So mm-hmm. not so only do you growing. need your own, the baby will need its own water as well. So, yeah, like food, yeah. yeah. and we want the baby to have uh, all the vi- the nutrients absorbed too. I, I right. think water is very largely underestimated sometimes and how much it does for the body. So thank you for bringing that up in terms of yeah. how it relates to the birthing process as well too. Right.
0: And, and one last thing, side note, I want to say on that, and I know you'd be on the page of this, is it's important that we have clean water, not just um, mm-hmm. generally tap water is not the cleanest. Um, there are maybe places that have cleaner tap water, but just to have filtered, we use an RO versus osmosis system. We are blessed to have one of those, but to have um, clean water and, and to have, if you're going to do any juices or anything, to make sure that they're um, organic mm-hmm. as much as possible but the baby gets whatever you take in. And this will lead to, when I talk about this next, and I I don't know where you're going to lead me, but with the placenta, um, whatever you take in, the placenta will get it too. And and it in ways acts as a filter. And um, if you're planning to use that afterwards, um, you want to make sure you're keeping things as clean as possible. Now, this isn't some prison that you're in because you're pregnant and you can't do anything fun. There's, um, and I mentioned, you mentioned how I could share things with people if they email me, there is, there's sweet treats that can be good for you and the baby. So we're not like in prison. of Oh, I'm pregnant. I can't have anything fun. You can, there's good food. God made all this delicious food, fruits, everything. We just figure out how to do it in a healthy way and delicious way. Cause I actually was making a uh, chocolate for pregnancy is one of the like, recipes <laughs> and chocolates are good. Right?
1: So I hope that's in your your book. It is. Oh, okay. I remember when we did our, our workshops, you, we were making chocolate, And Mm -hmm. and the thing is, you know, if you don't put the sugar in it, I mean, you you could put stevia. I've made chocolate with stevia and I think it tastes good. Now, not everyone likes stevia and the type of stevia you use makes a huge difference on whether it tastes good or not, or if it Mm -hmm. tastes like chemicals and, you know, so just just like anything else, you always have to look for the less toxic option and, you know, the most organic. And then she hit the nail on it. I mean, I went on an adventure at some point because I thought, well... Okay, if I want to, eat, I want to eat healthy. I should say, and there has to be a, a way to to eat healthy, and uh, it tastes a good. It tastes good, right? So, <laughs> why not? And so I started learning how to cook, and then looking up these different recipes, and started realizing, oh my god, you can, you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Now. there's a time and a place for different types of diets and and all that as well. I mean, I I never recommend sugar, but if you have some fruit here and there for most people, I think it's it's good. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of like white sugar, or I don't like using agave or maple syrup or anything like that because it just spikes your sugar as well too. Even honey, I'm not really much of a fan of now that I've cut it out um, because of the whole sugar situation. So, So you just have to figure out how to make it well. I mean, there's all kinds of like, even if you look up keto recipes, there's a lot of you can find like a keto cake. I mean, we're talking about sweets right now. So that's kind of why I'm on that wavelength. Um, but you can find ke- a keto cake recipe with almond flour and without any uh, sugars. And they use things like stevia instead to sweeten it. So uh, you're not spiking your blood sugar and causing issues. So yeah. that's um, that's a great point that you made. Mm-hmm. And um, I know it's so simple for some people, but it's so profound for those that have not come to that realization yet. Right.
0: It's the whole process. And if you don't mind, I we had talked about maybe talking about the diet. I can share a little bit about my experience. Yeah. Is that okay? Okay. So personally, um, my husband and I became plant-based, whole food, my base, which is the WFPB. I shouldn't leave the initials. For health reasons, I have, um, I almost got diagnosed. I'm never going to label it as I have because I've taken over it. So it's not, it doesn't have me. Um, I was always almost diagnosed with MS. And through that process, I was like, okay, I'm not doing the typical medical um, um, plan because I don't want steroids. I don't want all those things. So we started looking at our food and our supplements. And Dr. Jacqueline gave us and helped me through a detox program um, with supplements from her. But with the diet, it's so super important when you're pregnant to be looking at what you're eating. And before, as we mentioned, um, one of the important parts is healthy fats. We don't have to be scared of fats we don't have to be scared of of grains or any of those things but looking at the healthy portion of it so um, I've done some coconut oil but avocados are more natural in the natural form Um, avocados nuts and seeds um, since we went plant-based those are where we got most of our fats, and um, we never were low on on fat intake it's easy to just want to keep going actually I have some Almonds right here, that and pistachios that I'm not going to chew on, so you don't hear me chewing like a cow. But um, healthy fats are super important, and the fats, like um, like the nuts themselves, will have a good amount of iron in it. And as you're building up your blood supply in your, your body, you're going to want to make sure you have a lot of iron and vitamin C foods so you can absorb it. And magnesium for iron, um, magnesium for a small uh, smooth muscle contraction, and make sure that you're never. Because this happens time and time again when you're pregnant. You might get a knot in your calf muscle or somewhere, a spasm while you're asleep. And you may wake up going, oh, my gosh, who punched me? Like, what just happened? And you realize your body, um, that's a sign that, one, you're probably a little dehydrated and you probably don't have enough magnesium. And I'm sure Dr. Jacqueline probably never get to that point because you're pretty good about getting your supplements. But we never know. Your baby may just need more of it than others. Um, than your other baby. I'm not saying you're having more than one, but <laughs> um, so it's super important, especially postpartum, that you can have the smooth muscle contractions when you're looking at having um, uh, if you're breastfeeding, you're naturally your body has to make that uterus back down to the normal size. So if you're breastfeeding, you want to make sure that you are getting the magnesium and the supplements and, and you get things back. So that's part of the diet, the supplementation. And there's foods that have magnesium, even. Um, I know dates are quite sweet, but there's foods like dates. There's other um, foods that have a high magnesium level, some nuts that have ma- good magnesium in them. Um, I believe Brazil nuts, correct me if I'm wrong, and and uh, pistachios have a good amount of magnesium. But um, this is me trying to remember and, and know all this. When Sometimes <laughs> our minds are a little distracted when you're pro- you've are you had a few kids and we can get distracted, but it comes back.
1: Right. So, um, well, Brazil nuts have a lot of selenium, which is good for your thyroid. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know about the magnesium content, but I know Brazilian nuts, I mean, just a little bit of Brazil nuts and you're getting a lot of selenium and that's people, so many people have thyroid conditions and that's hugely linked to um, people's hormones being thrown off as well too. So I would eat it for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. And and so many times we think, oh, well, I'm going to have to take a a medication for this hormone imbalance. And no, it's been put in by the creator. It's in the seeds, the nuts, the foods that we eat. And it'll help your body hormone balance. And that's why they um diet is not diet like I'm just gonna do this for a period of time, but like um how would you call it instead of just a diet, but like a way of living basically mm-hmm. and how you consume and get nutrients because Yeah. Nutrition. I like to call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I hate the word diet
1: too, because it, it just, it has a really bad connotation to it. And it makes people think like, okay, I'm going to just do this, like you said, and, and it's and then, and that's it. And, and I will say, like I said, there's a certain period, there's a certain time for certain types of Ways of living or ways of eating, right. nutrition plans, diet plans, whatever you want to call it. Um, but and then especially if someone's sick, for example, too, maybe they need to do more periods of fasting, or maybe they do need to do certain types of diets versus not. And maybe sometimes um, I know you're more plant-based. I was plant-based. Uh, I still am pretty plant-based. I just do. I do personally eat a little bit of meat, and I think that people have to figure out what works best for their body. Because I know that if I don't, then my brain function does not work too well. <laughs> and uh, my energy is pretty low too. If I don't have, a, just a little bit. I mean, I don't think, I think the problem is people eat too much and then they're eating yeah. the wrong kinds as well too with that are full of hormones and all kinds of stuff that our body's just not meant to take, take in. So, um, and then if we have infections, we're not digesting it properly too. So there's a whole nother rabbit hole with all that. We'll stick to the right. stick to the postpartum goodies right. here. Um, right. But you know, you are talking about magnesium and so Obviously, that's going to be very good for ha- helping with pain during the labor and, and after, mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super helpful. I remember taking um Epsom salt bath, which I believe it has magnesium yeah. in it. And yeah. And so we would take, I would take a bath if I remembered because sometimes I'd get distracted with my other babies. <laughs> They're still babies at that point. It's so weird to think about that but just getting in there and calming yourself down and even starting that process of like, how do I calm myself down before I have this baby? that so when I get to the point where it's crazy intense that I know how to bring myself to a peaceful place. And I think, I know we were going to talk about that a little later on, but, um, you know, just being able to focus meditate and pray and have calming um, processes that you can practice. Uh, I mentioned the Bradley method class that was useful for me to practice that. Um, Pretending, experience, not pretending, but imagining what it might be like to have a lot of pain and yet to be able to calm down. Wow. So yeah, magnesium does help you with that as well because it calms Mm -hmm. you down. Yeah. And it'll help with the postpartum contractions as well.
1: And and then there's essential oils that are good for the birth contractions and and after too. I, I know you mentioned clary sage, so that you're you. You actually start diffusing that while
0: you're. I did diffuse it, yeah. I diffused it with Eliana, there. which was my second, and that's when the contractions had slowed down a little bit. And I just thought, well, let's just keep this going. And I put some frankincense and and a few other essential oils in there, but the most majority of the drops were clary sage. And there was always that warning, like with a, in the in the natural birth field, a lot of people say just be careful with that stuff. It's very strong, and people that do um, essential oils will say that be very careful. And I'd always be afraid, like, oh, it better not even touch it, have it across the room. Have it. Well, it's not that extreme, but um, it definitely made a huge difference. Every time I'd inhale the diffusion, because I kind of got close to the diffuser every once in a while, I'll just to get a snip of it, a contraction would come on. And I'm like, oh, wow, this really, okay, it does it. But there, I would say that would be the main essential oil for getting the contractions consistent. I, like I said before, I wouldn't do it if you're trying, I would never try and speed things up because once again, um, you know, um, the creator knows how long the time is right. The baby knows when the time is right. I'm sure um, I've I've learned, and I, I don't have the link to this to explain it. But basically, when the baby's ready to come out, and I can find this information for you, they send out a hormone when their lungs are fully developed, and that means the birthing process is going to start. And then the mama's body starts the process of birthing. So it's it's a beautiful, like I said, dance. It is kind of like a little dance that goes on in there. A, a really Intense, almost feeling like a fight dance, but it doesn't have to. Um,
1: so yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are there other essential oils that you recommend? Well,
0: lavender. The
1: birthing process or after?
0: Yeah. Lavender is useful for after. I wouldn't necessarily do it during. Um, with my son, I feel like I want to attribute the slowing down of the birth with that to my son um, to mm-hmm. the lavender. Because I was smelling it and I was like, oh, I need to calm down. And suddenly the contractions were further apart. And I'm going, oh, okay. So lavender is great for recovery. Um, And it's also a wonderful essential oil for treating the baby. Um, uh, If they have rashes, melaleuca and lavender Mm -hmm. have been my go-to. But yeah, lavender is really good for recovery. Um, Anything that's a soothing oil, I can't think of other ones, but lavender is my go-to on that one right now. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. So what about the placenta? Let's talk about that. Now there's it, I, the first word that comes to my mind is hippie. My sister probably like you are such a hippie for even considering this, um, right. but it's a natural thing to eat the placenta, right? right. And people encapsulate it. Why do people mm-hmm. do that? Why would people want to do that? Tell tell us tell us it all.
0: So obviously it's a kind of a taboo subject in the mainstream of, e- of eating or consuming the placenta. I'd like to say more so consuming it because eating sounds like r- ravaged animals, but most mammals, almost all ant mammals, um, minus a- humans consume the placenta. Um, part of it is so that they don't get hunted down. And then um, the blood smell is, is something that gathers, that brings about um, predators, but also it's interesting how, even the animals know what their body needs. They are able to re. For the humans, I mean, I'm not an animal, so I haven't. We haven't done studies on that. But for the humans, in the studies I looked up, it actually helps recover your iron level, recover your um, uh, help you to get increase your uh, milk supply. And at the beginning, the milk supply comes gradually, but it still will help that kind of become set. Um, it'll help balance hormones. These are the thing. The three things that it been focused on and so there's ways to deal with to do the placenta with our first child with paul i had it um encapsulated so i took it from the hospital and you have to sign a waiver explaining that you're taking um what they consider um uh trash basically but it's not and um you take it to a midwife or someone that knows how to to dry the placenta and make it into um capsules and so i took that and i noticed a little bit of a change with that one but once again, I wasn't thinking ahead on that post on what I was eating. Um, when I did the Bradley class, I kind of focused more on eating every protein I could find possible, which don't do not do that. Your body doesn't need every single protein out there. Just focus on what you're doing at the time we're eating meat still. Um, and I was eating all sorts of strange things like um, swine, feral swine that I found at Sprouts. And now I'm like, okay, we learn afterwards we didn't need that. But also- A what um, swine? feral swine it was frozen it looked like it was healthy and we're like we'll try it out I've tried every other meat let me just no not a good idea but feral I don't know what that exactly means but so we found out we learned right you kind of want to try new things I'm the adventurous one so I'm like wait hold on a feral
1: that sounds like a bird
0: I know Uh, feral swine
1: okay It was
0: pig that was I don't like Okay. Said, so so yeah, I thought I heard swine too.
1: Your um, your sound is. Am I cutting out a little? Sorry. It, it gets a little bit um, choppy. Okay. Yeah. So swine. I heard swine. So I was thinking pig, but then it sounded like no, a bird, and then. Yeah,
0: I think no, it was a type of pig. But what I'm trying to explain is like I took I went a little extreme on the protein consumption, and I also forgot about the reality like protein is not just in meat; it's in nuts and seeds and legumes, and so we don't have to be concerned about having not enough protein you can find it in other ways. But when I did the Bradley class, they talk about 80 to 100 grams of protein a day, which is a lot, a lot of bodybuilders will do about that or more, um, actually more. So I learned my lesson. And with the placenta, I don't think it was the healthiest one, there was probably still hormones, because at that time, we weren't specifically doing only organic non hormones, we tried to do non hormone, but it gets expensive, right. So by the second pregnancy, I was a little more, um, a little more woke to that and understood like, okay, I need to be a little clearer on that. I don't want to you know, I'd be careful on the placenta. So with my second, I didn't do the dried one. We took the placenta and my husband, um, I, I was shocked that he actually did this. He cleaned it and, you know, did it on a, I think the cutting board got very sanitized after that, but we cleaned it and we put, cut it on a, on a cutting board and we put it, cut it into as many small chunks as we could. And we froze it. And, um, we actually ended up adding one little piece to every smoothie that I made. Now I know that sounds strange, but the reality is like, we are still, um, we are technically kind of mammals. We're humans. So we're a little different than mammals, but it helped me. I felt like it helped me recover quicker. I had more energy quicker, but it wasn't, um, I wasn't taste. I didn't taste it. It was mixed in with some pineapple, some, I, I mixed pineapple, some greens, maybe a banana. And, and at the time, um, we probably were a little higher on the sugar area. So we put a little honey in there, but I didn't, it at all. And it did help balance out those things. And my milk came in just perfectly for my second daughter, our first daughter. And then with my third, we, um, at that point, we felt like we were heart- balanced hormonally because we had actually chosen not to to do the excess, excess, like I say, because I did too much the first time, um, meat intake. And at that point, we weren't doing any meat. So I really didn't use the placenta on my third, but um, on my first and second, I did. And there's there's pluses to the placenta consumption or even just using the placenta for other things um and i know we've talked about or not we've talked about other people's talked about using it if you're trying to um a lot of people can do a, they plant a tree and they put the placenta with the tree to help the tree grow i know that sounds interesting but there's a lot of nutrients in there um at the same on the same note there are some doctors that will say that placentas are basically by the time the baby's born um they're they're used up there's a little discrepancy on that, but there's been more pluses than negatives for using that as a balancing tool, using that as a great way to bring back your blood supply and also to um, to help with your milk coming in. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the idea behind it.
1: Okay. So do you have your placenta smoothie recipe in your book, your recipes?
0: I don't know that I had a recipe specifically for that, but I do have a smoothie recipe and to that you could add a piece of of the placenta. Um, maybe if,
1: maybe you should put a, like how much how, okay. I don't even know where I would start I don't even know how big a placenta is <laughs> um that's how yeah. far I am to having a child I will see yeah. one day when that happens but but yeah I, I think that would be a great addition to to say like you know you could put I don't know a tablespoon or whatever it is that you put in of the placenta right. um to to the smoothie
0: mm-hmm. now I don't uh, know that we had an exact art to that or exact that uh, decision on exact, I mean, like I said, he cut it up, but we didn't do it scientifically like exactly ounceage, but yeah, I can share. That would be an interesting
1: thing to know though, um, yeah, if you're be. ever researching, like how, how much is a good, like a therapeutic amount that's, that's good for a, a new mother to take. So, right. so they, you know, cause I know even with everything else I do, it's all about the dosing. It's like, if you don't have it. And that's
0: why a lot of, right. And that's why a lot of people will do cap encapsulated because then they know the exact amount. So if uh-huh. that feels more comfortable for people, I say, by all means, go ahead. And there's different ways um, people use the placenta and, and there's a way you can look it up and find out the different ways that people might do it if That's what worked for us. Um, and then the last time we had our baby, we just didn't even need it at that point, which is kind of exciting. But then I don't know, even know what we did. I think we don't I think we still may have it deep frozen. So.
1: Um, yeah, that is so interesting. Um, I that, think I would take it capsulated, probably. I don't think yeah, I do placenta
0: smoothie. <laughs> I think right. That. And, and, and some people will save, and that's what I did with my first birth, is save the capsules for when you're going through um, the change. The, um, um, I'm having a moment here. The change when you shift from being um, able to have a child, and then you go through. Why can't I come up with the word right Menopause? now? Menopause. Menopause. Thank you. It was like it's M. I'm getting exactly considering right now I don't know That's it's a long there. time. I know, but if you freeze it correctly and seal it correctly, that's the idea is that you take that to help oh. um, through that process. So
1: Okay, well, now I know another better. way to take placenta. Right? <laughs> so oh my gosh, now you got my mind in a rabbit hole. I'm just thinking about I bet someone has a business doing this.
0: <laughs> like Well, the one's I brought it to okay. drives it for us and and I
1: I'm no, I mean, sure. like, I, I bet somebody collects people's placentas and sells it. I, I just can't help but think oh, that happens.
0: Possibly. I don't know. I've never looked into that.
1: Would that would be so strange. I mean, we do yeah. some weird things in the world, but, I mean, I guess if it helps. So one thing that I learned, um, which I know you're a vegan and are probably kind of weird about this, but uh, it, I hear it works, too, is taking a uterus glandular. So I, I hate you say that. Yeah, glandulars are are really interesting. I as a, When I was a vegan, I would have been like, uh, why would you do this? <laughs> but then I started working with Doctors Research and that, that supplement company, and they had them in a lot of supplements. And so one of their most popular ones was one for the thyroid, and they put the thyroid glandular in there. And they get the, all their, their sources from bovine from New Zealand, mm-hmm. which they raise their cows properly there, uh, right. apparently. And so... Anyways, so we don't have to worry about all those extra toxins and hormones and garbage that they put in these animals. And I remember taking different types of glandulars and it works. I mean, it works therapeutically, like when you take certain types of essential oils, because I know you're into that. So it's... um, It's amazing. And so that's, I use a lot of the the glandulars when I work with hormones because you're basically getting everything you need for that gland. So the thyroid, I mean, there's certain nutrients, there's certain vitamins and minerals and hormones that is needed to build a healthy thyroid. The same with the uterus. Mm. There's certain hormones and nutrients and etc. to build a, a healthy uterus. So it's all in there. It's um, mm. people used to eat these different parts of the animals before we became more civilized. <laughs> and so, or, or actually in certain countries they still do eat these things. Uh, we're just Americans mm. are just more of a meat and potato type of people versus um, you know versus other countries where they literally eat will eat the whole animal. So. Anyways, um, so that's, that's how I think about it. It's like, it really is almost like eating food. Um, but you're also getting tons of nutrients in it as well, too. And and the uterus glandular is one that I had researched for postpartum. There was a period of time where uh, a, within a year or so, I was hearing all these different women having postpartum depression
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I had to look into it because I mean, I, I'm a holistic doctor, I right? have to help them figure out what to do. Right. And so obviously, the the main theme with this whole s- series I'm doing is it all starts with the conception and probably even generations before and before and before and before oh, and yeah. before in itself. Um, But at the same time, what do we do when certain things like this arise? And so that's another thing that I would recommend. I mean, I probably would do both uh, now that I've experienced using the uterus glandular with people. So mm-hmm. so that's one way. I mean, if someone really is opposed to uh, animal products completely, um, you know, some some uh, some doctors I know I work with, they, they're like, can you please just do this for a period of time? And sometimes the vegans will mm-hmm. do it. Um, but if you really just, it's it's oil against your conscience, all that, I get it. Um, you know, maybe there's some herbs that, that you can use as well, too. What, what right. would you recommend? Um, I know you so, use oils a lot.
0: Yeah, um, for the oils. I don't necessarily, um, I was actually focused more on some herbs because oils are useful, but herbs are a little more gentle um, for hormone balancing. I know chlorella helps with hormone balancing and detoxing. It's a little more gentle than um, taking another form of of seaweed or sea vegetable. Mm -hmm. Um, For that maca root, is good for hormone balancing and helps with some rest and sleep. Um, So those are the two that that come, that I add. Pulled up immediately that I was thinking I want to share with you guys. But oh, Corella, I've been using and Macaroot. I actually. I um, really like the smell of it. I know that sounds weird, but it reminds me of peanut butter, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I used to take maca. Um now that you're saying that,
1: I'm like, I want some maca. It's been many years right. probably since I took it, but when I, I used to make a uh like a powder concoction that I would put in my smoothies when I was in college to help with my energy and focus yeah. and all that. And maca was one of those things I would put in there, that and eleuthero. I really like that. It's I believe it's Siberian ginseng. Okay. So I don't know how that works with a po- postpartum, but
0: um, I don't know. That might be something interesting because it does give you a lot of energy. And, and postpartum, you got to be careful what you're consuming. I was to the point where I wouldn't even eat chocolate at a certain point because I was trying to get my daughter to sleep at a certain time throughout the day and take her naps so that I could get her to sleep longer at night. And um, yeah, so you we do have to consider that. They say you can have a cup of coffee. Um, some research says that. Uh, once a day, but it depends on the person. If I have a cup of coffee, I'll be jittery as all, and you won't want to talk to me because I'll be too, too excited. That's me. I can I can even get a little too hyper on my B vitamins. So um, so everybody's a little different, but yeah, I, I think maybe focusing on an or- organic form of like chlorella and maca. And then if you choose to do the placenta encapsulation or however you do it, that'll help balance your hormones too. So okay. So it.
1: that can, can also help with the depression that comes with it. <laughs>
0: Yes, and the okay. hormones and depressions go hand in hand. There are actually three parts, uh, three types of um, depression that tend to happen after a pregnancy. Um, there's the baby blues, and those usually happen the first two weeks after the baby's born, where you may feel just lethargic, sad, emotional, which, if realistically, if you got in a car accident and had an organ ripped out of your body, the placenta, and had a loss of a lot of blood, and then get lack of sleep. That almost kind of naturally seems like it happens because you're not, Mm. if you don't have enough sleep, that's a good way to make someone uh, crazy. Mm -hmm. That's a documented way to do that to people, but we don't want to do that. But that happens the first first few weeks until we get the baby on somewhat of a schedule and we actually nap when the baby's napping. Saying that I didn't always do that, it's hard because you think I've got to cook, I've got to clean, I need to take a shower. But just, um, that, all the things that come with the first few weeks. So baby blues is, is generally happens for many moms. And the second one is the postpartum depression that you talk about. That is something that um, is, is very much and people may think, oh, well, you're just emotionally. Well, yeah, there's a lot of emotions involved in having a baby um, and there's a lot of hormones that go all over the place. So, yeah, hormone balance is important. But postpartum depression usually subsides within a few um, months at most but if it goes on beyond that then it definitely is important to even before that if you feel like you need to see see a doctor about that and I would even encourage a naturopath doctor um, or a natural doctor Um, and then the third one is postpartum psychosis and that one is only about two percent of the population that have children so it's very low on the scale of possibilities but the psychosis it means that you kind of you go to the point where you might need to go to a, a cycle ward if you let it get to that point um, but realistically the prevention of these things and taking care of these things they do happen is making sure that we're understanding um, our needs are being met one and that we have a team of people around us to help us so that we're not just having a baby and i can do it on my own because as a mommy we start to think I've got this, you know, mama bear, like, like, I can do this myself. And this is my baby. Give me the baby. I'll do what I need to do. But to see ahead of time, when you have a clear mind before the, before the contractions start, who do I need around me? Who would I like to help me? Is my mom around that she'd be able to help? Maybe your mom's not in the picture. Um, with me, my mom was taking care of my dad. So she's helped a lot, but not that, as much as I, I could use her, but she's been a blessing. Um, but considering that, and then we talked about meeting at church, whatever faith base you are a part of, like, or do you have that community? People will sometimes do meal trains the first few weeks. That can be a support with um, a caveat, caveat like make sure that people understand that you're trying to eat as clean as possible because it still mm-hmm. goes to the baby. Whatever you right. consume goes into the milk. Um, yes, your body filters stuff a little but We want to make sure we're still keeping it as clean as possible. And then um, finally, the other thing is just to make sure that you have, once you get your baby into somewhat of a sleep pattern, that you're taking care of yourself. So, um, it's a new world for the baby, but it's a new world for you, mommy. It's You're learning how to take care of yourself and actually, um, as people will say, make sure you put your oxygen mask on first when you go on the airplane. You got to put your oxygen mask on first if they start to go down before you take care of that. And that seems really foreign to think, oh, no, I got to take care of the baby first. If you can't breathe and you're not healthy and getting, well, a good amount of rest and nutrients, you won't be able to be the mom that you need to be to take yeah. care of that baby. Yeah. Um, and that's a challenge. I mean, even as I'm saying this, I'm I'm thinking to myself, have I been doing my best of focusing on me? And and it mm-hmm. sounds so selfish in our world. It's like, oh, I don't want to be selfish. It's not being selfish. If you're making sure you're healthy, because if the caretaker is not healthy, the baby can't be taken care of.
1: Oh my Maybe God, that's mom- such a good word. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think that I think for a lot of moms that I mean... Even though I'm not a mom, I work with a lot of people, right? So I, I hear it, I, I I see it in people's actions and and things like that too, where they get so overwhelmed with taking care of their children. Which I mean, I'm sure that's like a huge it's a huge responsibility, this job in itself. There's a reason why we have stay-at-home moms because it's a whole job right. itself. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know like. Okay, let's just my my businesses are my baby, right? <laughs> so that mm-hmm. takes a lot of effort. I have people I'm working with and working for and xyz, right? If mm-hmm. I'm not I know if I don't get up and I don't take care of myself in the morning and or just throughout my life, uh, if I don't eat healthy, if I don't exercise and my mental, emotional uh, stuff is not I'm not being fed right. in the right things. Um, oh, yeah. I know I'm I'm not going to be the most successful right. in taking care of my baby, you know, my businesses mm-hmm. and things that I need to attend to. And so I can only imagine, you know, the same thing when you're having kids, you have this responsibility of, of life that you're trying to take care of. I mean, if, if you don't have energy, Let's, for that. A lot of people don't have energy. So if people don't have energy, how are they going to be able to manage all of the responsibilities that comes with being a mom and being able to be mm-hmm. in tune with you know, where the kid is and what they're doing and, and mm-hmm. et cetera, making sure they're on the right path. Mm-hmm. So so there's that. And then emotionally too, I mean, if you're not feeding your spirit and and if your body chemistry is all off, then you mm-hmm. might start lashing out probably on your children uh, or or just not maybe be the nicest mom or have the you know most patience, et cetera if, if you're not emotionally balanced as well too because of your chemistry or, or what, what you're doing daily to make sure' you're, you're mentally healthy, right. and sane um, and is, is there.
0: I was just gonna say, and I, I think it's important as we become parents to have grace with ourselves, have mercy and grace and mm-hmm. just understand you may make mistakes. And don't hang on to that because I'll tell you what, the kids will forget it pretty quickly unless it's an ongoing, consistent yeah. thing that's um, going on that's too extreme for them. But they get over it when you're like, oh, I shouldn't have yelled at them or I shouldn't have screamed enough um We have to let go of it and, and just give it to God and trust that this child will be OK and make sure, like I mentioned before, to have things in place, help in place, support in place. Um, there's another thing I didn't mention. There's nursing circle meetups that I think are super good, especially for a first time mom, that they meet up and they just, because you're sitting there and sometimes it feels like for me, I'm in time out in nursing because I can't show my breasts. Well, reality is that that's the source of life for my baby right now. There's nothing to be shamed for, for having that maybe temporarily exposed to try and put the baby on, but <laughs> having nursing circles, there's postpartum depression support groups. And I, I've sent some links to you Dr. Jacqueline, maybe you could share this underneath. Yeah, as I'll I'd put appreciate. them in the show notes. Yeah, there's, yeah, oh good, there's all notes. So all those links are very useful. Um, but just making sure you use your resources, Use um, not use, but take advantage of resources, take advantage of family that are willing to help because it's a precious new life and your life's important too, especially if we're looking at postpartum depression or, or psychosis um, or even just the baby blues. We gotta make sure that we understand moms are super important and reality is, I say this without trying to sound um, arrogant or anything, but we're mommies kind of make the world go round. We, we birth new life. We have this amazing power inside of us to bring new life. And yes, this, um, the man, the father is a, a huge part of that, but we're the ones that hold it for nine months and make sure the baby comes and then continue holding that baby and nursing and keeping that baby healthy. Um, so it's so important that we take care of that third, or sorry, fourth trimester and taking care of the baby. Now they're out in the world, but then ourselves in this new world and and make sure that we're um well balanced and well supported
1: mm-hmm. okay all right so
0: the, the last question i want to ask you is about
1: milk supply how do we optimize our body so that we can have a good milk supply
0: okay i'll keep this um simple and to the point like i talked about before hydration 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 good hydration water coconut um, coconut water and um juices that are fresh. Um, For herbs that promote more milk production, uh, fenugreek, it's kind of tart at first, but you can mix it with other things and make a tea out of it when your supply is low. Fennel, you can consume it in tea form, or if you have um, essential oil that's a clean essential oil, you can use a drop or two of that. Um, And then learning just how to consume um, a healthy diet will keep that up. For me, a lot of oatmeal was my Consistent thing. I didn't used to eat oatmeal, but then I made it happen. And I'm going to share the Layla J League, um, and then also Kelly Mom, a link. They talk about um, oatmeal does help with milk production. Um, And then just learning about different holds you may find. And and as I mentioned, that other link, Layla J League, it's about the holds. If you're not holding the baby right, and they're not on there correctly, um, they may not be getting sufficient amount of milk. And if they're not getting enough milk, the body's not going to make more milk because the body doesn't think the baby needs it. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, so we talk about the herbs we talk about the hold and then um, also just making sure you don't if you're trying to breastfeed it's super important not to supplement with formula um, our bodies are made unless there's some medical reason that your body's not functioning the way it was made um, to produce milk so um, anybody that's had trouble with that just to understand, I, I, understand I, I, get, I get your situation I'm not judging you but I'm just trying to explain that we were made for that so if you can drink and and consume herbs that you might need or there's mama milk um, teas and then there's mama cookies that they sell it's it's a lot of it is oatmeal based and you'd be surprised but oatmeal really is interesting it helps with that milk production um the fenugreek and the fennel um and Mm -hmm. then the not supplementing and making sure that we build up our supply based on demand so if your baby drinks your body will make more um, and you will get engorged at a certain point, which I joke that you might look um, larger than you've ever looked in your life and <laughs> may feel like you need to be on the big screen, but, <laughs> um, it's just a natural process of your body, um, balancing it out. So then the final thing I mentioned, the free support from the Le Leche League, um, they will do, um, through weekly meetings over the phone or you might be able to go to the Le Leche League actual location. I know with the times like they are right now, there is that concern about with the virus and making sure like, how do I interact with others? Um, the one thing I would mention is just understand one, um, the, the milk that you provide is, it's not, it's, I believe, stronger than any vaccine or any medication that is on the market. I realize I say that, um, with respecting the that that's out there, but this is something that no one can reproduce except for yourself. You're making the milk for your baby made just for them. It's actually in a way it's a supplement just for them, just mm. for baby Paul or baby Eliana or baby Tally or whatever your baby's name is. So realizing that you are the baby's um, uh, protection at that point. So if you do go somewhere, how important it is that you still continue to nurse if you're concerned um, until you feel that it's the right time to end. A lot of times um, the American pediatric society says you can nurse up till two years old. Um, my baby's about to be two. She still is going, going for me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm getting a little tired of it, but she needs it. And I'm okay with that. And so as we wean her, um, we can do natural weaning and let baby led weaning. And that's something that I've come to terms with. This is what needed to happen. And some others um, maybe have something else going on in their life. And they, they just really want to wean the baby. And that's okay too. figure out what works for you, but also for the baby. Um, I really encourage just to what the baby's needs are. So yeah, Yeah, at
1: Hippocrates, they were talking about moms that breastfeed their children for even past two years. I mean, some of them, there were some more of extreme examples. I mean, up to eight or nine years old. (laughs) Some people are like, what? Uh, I can't imagine doing that. But a lot of why we stop this sooner than keep it going longer, I think is, I mean, yeah, we get tired. We're living in a fast paced society, but the social, like, the it's stigma? just awkward. It's awkward to, yeah. you know, in society at this point in day and age to, to nurse your children past probably around that age, even at two years right. old for some people, it's, right. they're probably like, why are you still nursing them? So. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. And and there's that stigma, but like, thankfully we have smaller children. People think they're younger than they are, but it's okay. Um, But yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed of. This is the way you're made. Actually, you know, it is a very healing thing that comes through our bodies and, and, there's even a joke that there's a shirt um, in a milk group that I'm a part of on online that says we're, we're selling the shirts that talk about how you, I make milk, what's your superpower? And I'm like, I need to get one of those, but I'm almost done with this process.
1: Yeah. All right, Nicole. Well, you know, I appreciate you coming on here and talking about this whole process um, because I think that mothers or people that are trying to plan uh to conceive and have children, I think it's very good information to know up front so, so we can do this in a more holistic manner and and mm-hmm. in a way that really sets our kids up for success with their health, um, physically but also emotionally, too. As we mm-hmm. address that, even holding the baby when they're first born is so important mm-hmm. and being there versus yeah, getting mean. them strapped away and, and somewhere else and getting you know what i'm talking about
0: (laughs) and and there's there's stuff that talks about skin to skin and how important that is emotionally mm -hmm. mentally um for a, a child and and to help their regulate their temperature and there's so many studies that we could talk about but yeah it's super important
1: yeah, actually, if you want to send me some, I'll put it in the notes as well because I think that would be good for people to to be able to have those studies and okay. make educated decisions about how they're going to have their children um, from the beginning when they conceive to the birthing process and and even even after. So thank you, thank you so much for that. I know you work with a lot of people that are try, trying to get pregnant with your coaching, your health coaching, or even new moms. Uh, I know you're very into working with the plant-based diet as well. So people that are that are into that, Nicole is your
0: go-to girl for health mm-hmm. coaching. So can you tell the listeners where to find you? Um, you can find me on Facebook, on Your Vessel, um, on our Facebook link that we put in there. Um, I don't have a current website going. I'm more, uh, involved with email and online. Um, and I have three kids, so (laughs) (laughs) So it's hard to add that social media part to it, but that's what you can, you can find me there. Uh, You can send an email to honor your vessel at gmail.com is the best direct contact.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you're very selective then, then who you take on and you make sure it's a, it sounds like you make sure it's a really good fit because of that. Yeah. Definitely reach out to her, honor your vessel at gmail.com. And then she has her Facebook page, honor your vessel. And uh, has that little heart you can see in the background, so you know it's her. And again, thank you so much. So honored to have you on here. And thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening to this. I hope that you are blessed. I hope that some of you that are planning on having children or having more children that you take some of these nuggets, and and your your birthing process is way more peaceful, less painful, and more thriving and healthier children as a result too. Mm -hmm. So thank you again for for, for having me coming and listening. Yeah. All right. Listeners have a nice week and we will continue this woman's health series. I'm Dr. Jacqueline. I'm here. So, you know, I hope you got a lot of nuggets from that episode. There's just so much to learn as a woman and helping balance our body and, and be able to give life to a newborn and raise these healthy children. And, and then of course we don't want to get wrinkles when we grow old. And a lot of us are losing our mind and we're losing our joints. I mean, there's so much. And then on top of that, then there's weight loss. Have you ever thought about, man, it'd be so much easier to be able to lose weight if I did not crave that cake every day or some other bad thing like cookies, etc. Well, we have gluco optimizer. So along with your cell core protocol, you can add the gluco optimizer in to help balance your blood sugar, help fight those cravings. And you'll see here, There's a lot of other things it does. It protects against heart disease. It helps increase muscle mass. Now, as a woman, you might think, I don't wanna have big muscles, but I'm one that doesn't have big muscles and I work out all the time and lift a lot of weight. Lean muscle keeps you thin. So with that and the combination of something like gluco-optimizer, weight loss is going to be a lot easier nowadays, you guys. All right, ladies, I hope you enjoyed that show again. Go ahead and check out gluco Optimizer so you can optimize your weight loss program.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wellness Trinity Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more wellness tips to help you achieve optimal health. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.